Section 17 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 5, by Henry Gray. The Abdomen, Part 2. Horizontal Disposition of the Peritoneum. Below the transverse colon the arrangement is simple, as it includes only the main cavity. Above the level of the transverse colon it is more complicated on account of the existence of the omental bursa. Below the transverse colon it may be considered in the two regions, viz, in the pelvis and in the abdomen proper. In the pelvis. The peritoneum here follows closely the surfaces of the pelvic viscera and the inequalities of the pelvic walls and presents important differences in the two sexes. A. In the male, it encircles the sigmoid colon, from which it is reflected to the posterior wall of the pelvis as a fold, the sigmoid mesocolon. It then leaves the sides, and finally, the front of the rectum, and is continued on to the upper ends of the seminal vesicles and the bladder. On either side of the rectum it forms a fossa, the pararectal fossa, which varies in size with the distension of the rectum. In front of the rectum, the peritoneum forms the rectovesical excavation, which is limited laterally by the peritoneal folds extending from the sides of the bladder to the rectum and the sacrum. These folds are known from their position as the rectovesical or sacrogenital folds. The peritoneum of the anterior pelvic wall covers the superior surface of the bladder, and on either side of this viscous forms a depression, termed the paravesical fossa, which is limited laterally by the fold of peritoneum covering the ductus deferens. The size of this fossa is dependent on the state of distension of the bladder. When the bladder is empty, a variable fold of peritoneum, the plica vesicalis transversa, divides the fossa into two portions. On the peritoneum between the paravesical and pararectal fossae, the only elevations are those produced by the ureters and the hypogastric vessels. b. In the female, pararectal and paravesical fossae similar to those in the male are present. The lateral limit of the paravesical fossa is the peritoneum investing the round ligament of the uterus. The rectovesical excavation is, however, divided by the uterus and vagina into a small anterior vesico-uterine and a large, deep posterior recto-uterine excavation. The sacrogenital folds form the margins of the latter and are continued on to the back of the uterus to form a transverse fold, the torus uterinus. The broad ligaments extend from the sides of the uterus to the lateral walls of the pelvis. They contain in their free margins the uterine tubes, and in their posterior layers, the ovaries. Below, the broad ligaments are continuous with the peritoneum on the lateral walls of the pelvis. On the lateral pelvic wall, behind the attachment of the broad ligament, in the angle between the elevations produced by the diverging hypogastric and external iliac vessels, is a slight fossa, the ovarian fossa, in which the ovary normally lies. In the lower abdomen, starting with the linea alba, below the level of the transverse colon, and tracing the continuity of the peritoneum in a horizontal direction to the right, the membrane covers the inner surface of the abdominal wall almost as far as the lateral border of the quadratus lumborum. 
it encloses the cecum and the vermiform process and is reflected over the sides and front of the ascending colon it may then be traced over the duodenum sosus major and inferior vena cava toward the middle line whence it passes along the mesenteric vessels to invest the small intestine and back again to the large vessels in front of the vertebral column forming the mesentery between the layers of which are contained the mesenteric blood vessels lacteals and glands it is then continued over the left sosus it covers the sides and front of the descending colon and reaching the abdominal wall is carried on it to the middle line the upper abdomen above the transverse colon the omental bursa is superadded to the general sac and the communication of the two cavities with one another through the epiploic foramen can be demonstrated a main cavity commencing on the posterior abdominal wall at the inferior vena cava the peritoneum may be followed to the right over the front of the suprarenal gland and the upper part of the right kidney onto the anterolateral abdominal wall from the middle line of the anterior wall a backwardly directed fold encircles the obliterated umbilical vein and forms the falciform ligament of the liver continuing to the left the peritoneum lines the anterolateral abdominal wall and covers the lateral part of the front of the left kidney and is reflected to the posterior border of the hilus of the spleen as the posterior layer of the phrenocolianal ligament it can then be traced around the surface of the spleen to the front of the hilus and thence to the cardiac end of the greater curvature of the stomach as the anterior layer of the gastrolienal ligament it covers the antero superior surfaces of the stomach and commencement of the duodenum and extends up from the lesser curvature of the stomach to the liver as the anterior layer of the lesser omentum b omental bursa bursa omentalis lesser peritoneal sac on the posterior abdominal wall the peritoneum of the general cavity is continuous with that of the omental bursa in front of the inferior vena cava starting from here the bursa may be traced across the aorta and over the medial part of the front of the left kidney and diaphragm to the hilus of the spleen as the anterior layer of the phrenocolianal ligament from the spleen it is reflected to the stomach as the posterior layer of the gastrosplenic ligament it covers the posterior inferior surfaces of the stomach and commencement of the duodenum and extends upward to the liver as the posterior layer of the lesser omentum the right margin of this layer is continuous around the hepatic artery bile duct and portal vein with the wall of the general cavity the epiploic foramen foramen epiploicum foramen of winslow is the passage of communication between the general cavity and the omental bursa it is bounded in front by the free border of the lesser omentum with the common bile duct hepatic artery and portal vein between its two layers behind by the peritoneum covering the inferior vena cava above by the peritoneum on the caudate process of the liver and below by the peritoneum covering the commencement of the duodenum and the hepatic artery the latter passing forward below the foramen before ascending between the two layers of the lesser omentum the boundaries of the omental bursa will now be evident it is bounded in front from above downward by the caudate lobe of the liver the lesser omentum the stomach and the anterior two layers of the greater omentum behind it is limited from below upward 
by the two posterior layers of the greater omentum, the transverse colon, and the ascending layer of the transverse mesocolon, the upper surface of the pancreas, the left suprarenal gland, and the upper end of the left kidney. To the right of the esophageal opening of the stomach, it is formed by that part of the diaphragm which supports the caudate lobe of the liver. Laterally, the bursa extends from the epiploic foramen to the spleen, where it is limited by the phrenocolienal and gastrolienal ligaments. The omental bursa, therefore, consists of a series of pouches or recesses to which the following terms are applied. 1. The vestibule, a narrow channel continued from the epiploic foramen over the head of the pancreas to the gastropancreatic fold. This fold extends from the omental turbosity of the pancreas to the right side of the fundus of the stomach and contains the left gastric artery and coronary vein. 2. The superior omental recess between the caudate lobe of the liver and the diaphragm. 3. The lienal recess between the spleen and the stomach. 4. The inferior omental recess, which comprises the remainder of the bursa. In the fetus, the bursa reaches as low as the free margin of the greater omentum, but in the adult its vertical extent is usually more limited owing to adhesions between the layers of the omentum. During a considerable part of fetal life, the transverse colon is suspended from the posterior abdominal wall by a mesentery of its own, the two posterior layers of the greater omentum passing at this stage in front of the colon. This condition occasionally persists throughout life, but as a rule adhesion occurs between the mesentery of the transverse colon and the posterior layer of the greater omentum, with the result that the colon appears to receive its peritoneal covering by the splitting of the two posterior layers of the latter fold. In the adult the omental bursa intervenes between the stomach and the structures on which that viscous lies, and performs therefore the functions of a serous bursa for the stomach. Numerous peritoneal folds extend between the various organs or connect them to the parietes. They serve to hold the viscera in position and, at the same time, enclose the vessels and nerves proceeding to them. They are grouped under the three headings of ligaments, omenta, and mesenteries. The ligaments will be described with their respective organs. There are two omenta, the lesser and the greater. The lesser omentum, omentum minus, small omentum, gastrohepatic omentum, is the duplicature which extends to the liver from the lesser curvature of the stomach and the commencement of the duodenum. It is extremely thin and is continuous with the two layers of peritoneum which cover respectively the antero superior and posterior inferior surfaces of the stomach and first part of the duodenum. When these two layers reach the lesser curvature of the stomach and the upper border of the duodenum, they join together and ascend as a double fold to the porta of the liver. To the left of the porta, the fold is attached to the bottom of the fossa for the ductus venosus, along which it is carried to the diaphragm, where the two layers separate to embrace the end of the esophagus. At the right border of the omentum, the two layers are continuous, and form a free margin which constitutes the anterior boundary of the epiplotic foramen. The portion of the lesser omentum extending between the liver and stomach is termed the hepogastric ligament, while that between the liver and the duodenum is the hepatoduodenal ligament. Between the two layers of the lesser omentum, close to the right free margin, are the hepatic artery, the common bile duct, the portal vein, 
lymphatics, and the hepatic plexus of nerves. All these structures being enclosed in the fibrous capsule, glistens capsule. Between the layers of the lesser omentum, where they are attached to the stomach, run the right and left gastric vessels. The greater omentum, omentum magus, great omentum, gastrocolic omentum, is the largest peritoneal fold. It consists of a double sheet of peritoneum, folded on itself so that it is made up of four layers. The two layers which descend from the stomach and commencement of the duodenum pass in front of the small intestines, sometimes as low down as the pelvis. They then turn upon themselves, and descend again as far as the transverse colon, where they separate and enclose that part of the intestine. These individual layers may be easily demonstrated in the young subject, but in the adult they are more or less inseparably blended. The left border of the greater omentum is continuous with the gastroleanal ligament. Its right border extends as far as the commencement of the duodenum. The greater omentum is usually thin, presents a cribiform appearance, and usually contains some adipose tissue, which in fat people accumulates in considerable quantity. Between its two anterior layers, a short distance from the greater curvature of the stomach, is the anastomosis between the right and left gastroepiplotic vessels. The mesenteries are the mesentery proper, the transverse mesocolon, and the sigmoid mesocolon. In addition to these, there are sometimes present an ascending and a descending mesocolon. The mesentery proper, mesenterium, is the broad fan-like fold of peritoneum which connects the convolutions of the jejunum and ilium with the posterior wall of the abdomen. Its root, the part connected with the structures in front of the vertebral column, is narrow, about 15 centimeters long, and is directed obliquely from the duodenal flexure at the left side of the second lumbar vertebra to the right sacroiliac articulation. Its intestinal border is about six meters long, and here the two layers separate to enclose the intestine, and form its peritoneal coat. It is narrow above, but widens rapidly to about 20 centimeters, and is thrown into various plates or folds. It suspends the small intestine, and contains between its layers the intestinal branches of the superior mesenteric artery, with their accompanying veins and plexuses of nerves, the lacteal vessels, and mesenteric lymph glands. The transverse mesocolon, mesocolon transversus, is a broad fold which connects the transverse colon to the posterior wall of the abdomen. It is continuous with the two posterior layers of the greater omentum, which, after separating to surround the transverse colon, join behind it and are continued backward to the vertebral column, where they diverge in front of the anterior border of the pancreas. This fold contains between its layers the vessels which supply the transverse colon. The sigmoid mesocolon, mesocolon sigmoidium, is the fold of peritoneum which retains the sigmoid colon in connection with the pelvic wall. Its line of attachment forms a V-shaped curve, the apex of the curve being placed about the point of division of the left common iliac artery. The curve being on the medial side of the left sosus major, and runs upward and backward to the apex, from which it bends sharply downward, and ends in the medial plane at the level of the third sacral vertebra. The sigmoid and superior hemorrhoidal vessels run between the two layers of this fold. In most cases, the peritoneum covers only the front and sides of the ascending and descending parts of the colon. 
Sometimes, however, these are surrounded by the serous membrane and attached to the posterior abdominal wall by an ascending and a descending mesocolon, respectively. A fold of peritoneum, the phrenococolic ligament, is continued from the left colic flexure to the diaphragm opposite the tenth and eleventh ribs. It passes below and serves to support the spleen, and therefore has received the name of sustenaculum lienus. The appendices epicloacae are small pouches of the peritoneum filled with fat and situated along the colon and upper part of the rectum. They are chiefly appended to the transverse and sigmoid parts of the colon. Peritoneal recesses or fossae. Retroperitoneal fossae. In certain parts of the abdominal cavity, there are recesses of peritoneum forming cul-de-sacs or pouches, which are of surgical interest in connection with the possibility of the occurrence of retroperitoneal herniae. The largest of these is the omental bursa, already described, but several others, of smaller size, require mention, and may be divided into three groups, viz. duodenal, cecal, and intersigmoid. Duodenal fossae, three are fairly constant, viz. a. the inferior duodenal fossa, present in from 70 to 75% of cases, is situated opposite the third lumbar vertebra on the left side of the ascending portion of the duodenum. Its opening is directed upward, and is bounded by a thin sharp fold of peritoneum with a concave margin, called the duodenomesocolic fold. The tip of the index finger introduced into the fossa under the fold passes some little distance behind the ascending portion of the duodenum. b. The superior duodenal fossa, present in from 40 to 50 percent of cases, often coexists with the inferior one, and its orifice looks downward. It lies on the left of the ascending portion of the duodenum, in front of the second lumbar vertebra, and behind a sickle-shaped form of peritoneum, the duodenal jejunal fold, and has a depth of about two centimeters. C. The duodenal jejunal fossa exists in from 15 to 20 percent of cases, but has never yet been found in conjunction with the other forms of duodenal fossae. It can be seen by pulling the jejunum downward and to the right, after the transverse colon has been pulled upward. It is bounded above by the pancreas, to the right by the aorta, and to the left by the kidney. Beneath is the left renal vein. It has a depth of about 2 to 3 centimeters, and its orifice, directed downward and to the right, is nearly circular and will admit the tip of the little finger. Cecal fossae, paracecal folds or fossae. There are three principal pouches or recesses in the neighborhood of the cecum. A. The superior iliocecal fossa is formed by a fold of peritoneum arching over the branch of the iliocolic artery which supplies the iliocolic junction. The fossa is a narrow chink situated between the mesentery of the small intestine, the ilium, and the small portion of the cecum behind. b. The inferior ileocecal fossa is situated behind the angle of the junction of the ilium and cecum. It is formed by the ileocecal fold of peritoneum, bloodless fold of traves, the upper border of which is fixed to the ilium, opposite its mesenteric attachment, while the lower border, passing over the ileocecal junction, joins the mesenterial of the vermiform process, and sometimes the process itself. Between this fold and the mesenterial of the vermiform process is the inferior ileocecal fossa. 
it is bounded above by the posterior surface of the ilium and the mesentery in front and below by the ileal cecal fold and behind by the upper part of the mesenterial of the vermiform process c the cecal fossa is situated immediately behind the cecum which has to be raised to bring it into view it varies much in size and extent in some cases it is sufficiently large to admit the index finger and extends upward behind the ascending colon in the direction of the kidney in others it is merely a shallow depression it is bounded on the right by the cecal fold which is attached by one edge of the abdominal wall from the lower border of the kidney to the iliac fossa and by the other to the posterolateral aspect of the colon in some instances additional fossae the retrocecal fossae are present the intersigmoid fossa recesses intersigmoideus is constant in the fetus and during infancy but disappears in a certain percentage of cases as age advances upon drawing the sigmoid colon upward the left surface of the sigmoid mesocolon is exposed and on it will be seen a funnel-shaped recess of the peritoneum lying on the external iliac vessels in the interspace between the sosus and iliacus muscles this is the orifice leading to the intersigmoid fossa which lies behind the sigmoid mesocolon and in front of the parietal peritoneum the fossa varies in size in some instances it is a mere dimple whereas in others it will admit the whole of the index finger end of section seventeen